Hey, what's up, folks? This is Tony Brewer. You're listening to Cogitations. Cogitations is the podcast where we think about things, we contemplate them, we turn them over in our minds, and then we discuss them. Daniel chapter 7, verse 28, Daniel writes, Hitherto is the end of the matter. As for me, Daniel, my cogitations much troubled me. My countenance changed in me, but I kept the matter in my heart. But we're not going to keep the matter in our heart. We're going to talk about it. And today we're going to talk about these first four verses of the book of Luke. I preached this past Sunday from these verses. And I think we can pull some uh, principles from there and, and develop some thoughts that would greatly help us. Let's see, where do I want to get in? Let's just read the verses. I'm so glad that you're tuning in. I'm so glad that you're here. Of course, the uh, Freed Hardeman lectureships are going on, so I'm assuming the Digital Bible Study Connect is something that's not happening, but we're going to be here. Tony is always going to be doing his cogitations thing, and uh, that's about all I've got to say about that. Katie Smith, Murray Harris, Scott Wall, good to see you. I hope you are all doing well, and uh, yeah, let's, uh, and good evening, Douglas Connerly. I hope everything is well with everyone up here. I'm sure it is. Or I know it is, rather. All right. West Virginia, June Hammond, good to see you. And Jenny Blackwell from New York. Um, I hope everyone is, is doing well. I hope, you know, I don't know if uh, you can get any of the, any of the lectures from Freed Hardeman on YouTube or anything like that, but maybe they will. Uh, I know that there will probably be some good lectures there. Uh, I've definitely seen some, uh, some of my friends who have gone, I know there's a, a guy from the past, uh, Reed Swindle, that I knew, man, going on 30 years ago now. And uh, he's he's made a gospel preacher and uh, a mighty fine one. And he preaches for the Foot Street Church of Christ. And he's he's involved in the lectureships. He always speaks at Polish in the pulpit and stuff like that. And I've seen some things that he's put out on his on his Facebook page. And evidently, they're having a grand old time at the Freed Hardeman lectureships. And some of the things that I've seen him share, I was like, "Yeah, that's uh, those are some uh, those are some lectures I'd like to see." Awesome. Scott Wall says you can watch them at fhu.org. That's great. All right, let's get into these four passages or four verses. For as much as many have taken in hand to set forth in order a declaration of those things which are most surely believed among us, even as they delivered them unto us, which from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word, it seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things, from the very first, to write unto thee in order, most excellent Theophilus, that thou mightest know the certainty of those things wherein thou hast been instructed. I'm going to check something out really quick here on my e-sword. Um, first off, we're going to go to Luke. I'm curious to what that word no is in the fourth verse. I, I, ought to, I should have looked that up, shouldn't I? But you're going to get to see me do it now. Bear with me. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's epigenosco. 
Yeah, to become thoroughly acquainted with. <sniffs> to know thoroughly. Uh, to know accurately. To know, to, to be able to recognize by sight, by hearing of certain signs to perceive who a person is. <sniffs> and uh, to know, to find out, to ascertain, to know, to understand. So the reason that Luke wrote the book of what we call the book of Luke is so Theophilus could know the certainty of those things wherein thou hast been instructed. So Theophilus had been instructed, and he needed to know the certainty of those things. And interestingly enough, the word certainty is uh, pretty much the firmness, the stability, the undoubted truth, security from enemies and dangers, the safety. In other words, the report that you've been given about the text of this letter, this treatise written to you, it's safe. It's free from harm. And you can know that. Why? We're going to talk about that, brethren. All right. I'm so glad you're here. Uh, good to, and folks are, folks are rolling in as well. We got 15 uh, watching. Anyway, listen, be sure and subscribe to, um, be sure to subscribe to whatever platform you're watching this on and be our algorithm. Share this, uh, share it to your YouTube, share it to your friends list, share it to groups you're a part of, anything you can do. Send it in an email. And uh, you can be the algorithm for us, and we really need that. That would help us more than you know. Uh, Katie Smith asks, is that the same no as in 1 John 5, 13? Uh, it probably is because it's under the same, you know, this is imparted knowledge. But let's go check. 1 John. Where is he at? 1 John 5, 13. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. Actually, no. That is not the same no. That word is Ido, and it is um, to perceive with the eyes, to perceive by any of the senses, to perceive, to notice, to discern, to know something fully, and, and that makes a lot of sense with the way uh, Dan Winkler explains this. Uh, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you know that you know you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. In other words, he's writing this to remove any and all, even the possibility of the scintilla of a shadow of doubt that's known fully. In fact, the etymology of the word video, we know what video means. It's, it's like a videotape, a, a, a video recording, goes all the way back to this Greek word ido, which is very from a, from a reductive standpoint knowledge based on what you see in other words you can believe your eyes you've seen this you've experienced it you can know so that's the no that um 
that uh, John was talking about in First John chapter five. But when we go to when we go to the book of Luke chapter one verse four, this word "know" here is epigonosco, and it 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 means basically this this knowledge. You're going to read this letter, and you're going to have this knowledge, and you can trust it, and it's a reasonable knowledge. In other words, it's knowledge that you reason. And so this testimony you're going to you're going to listen to, you're going to we're going to read, and you're going to come to the conclusion that the things that you have learned about Jesus and about what you need to do can be trusted. And they are they are harmless. They are safe, and it, it's something that you need to make changes in your life based on. Yeah, very good. That's uh, you know that's why we do these live streams. Uh, had I had I uh, had I had that been something that I noticed before I preached this sermon, I probably would have focused on the difference between the word "no" there and focused more on the word "no." But that's all right. That's why we do these live streams. And uh, Katie Smith said, that does make sense. It's amazing the difference between the Greek language and the English language and the specificity of the definition of words. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, and Scott Wall said in First John, or First John 5, 13, it was to know in that present time. That's it. And, and again, that First John 5, 13, it's a known, it's you can know in the fullness of it. You can know that Jesus is the Son of God as completely as someone who witnessed, whose hands have handled, whose eyes have seen the Son of God. That's the beauty about the book of 1 John. But let's go back to these four verses, and let's talk about some things. All right, check this out. I'm only going to discuss this once, and it's going to be short. This is an this is a situation in which the King James gets it right. Most of the modern translations render these four verses. In fact, they they render uh, verse two. Oh, hold on. They render verse three in such a way that it it if it doesn't outright deny the inspiration of the book of Luke it at least brings it into question. Now, let me read verse 3 and explain this. Uh, Luke says, It seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write unto thee in order, most excellent Theophilus. So Luke is coming along, and the implication here is he's setting some things straight. All of these other people, he's not condemning them for their testimony, for what they wrote. But Luke is saying, I had a perfect understanding of all things from the beginning, from the very first. And it seemed good to me because of that to write unto thee in order for the purpose that you might know the certainty of those things anything less than an inspired writer you would not be able to know the certainty of those things 
just like in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13. Anything less than an inspired writer, someone whose eyes have seen, someone whose hands have handled, you would not be able to know beyond a shadow of a doubt and in its fullness that Jesus is the Son of God. Now, why is that so important? All right, well, bear with me. I'm going to go Luke 1, 1 through 4, modern, just random modern translation. Let me read this to you. Uh, This is the New International Version. Now, everybody likes picking on the New International Version, but I'll read it from the New American Standard Bible here in a minute. Many have undertaken to draw, up, to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have clear, carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of those things. Uh, you have been taught. Well, notice the wording there. The wording is different. He hasn't had a perfect understanding from the beginning, from the first. Here, it indicates that he got his information, the order of events from doing research. Now, I know what you might say. Well, Tony, the Holy Spirit could have guided him into that. Yeah, it could have, but that would that would leave that would leave the inspiration of this text to doubt. And I've done research on this, on this word. I've done research on this phrase here. Let me, let me go to Esau again. And um, it seemed good, yeah, having had perfect. This word, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pronounce it very terribly, uh, um, acrobose, acrobose. And it means exactly accurately, um, precisely, distinctly, strictly, circumspectly. It's an adverb from the, the same word G196, and it means exact, strict, most exact, most straightest, exact, careful, of the strictest sect, the most precise and rigorous in interpreting Mosaic law and in observing even the more minute precepts of the law and tradition. In other words, the word here means this is a knowledge, all right, that is so minute and so detailed, this man is writing this. And incidentally, it is from the first. So he had perfect understanding of all things. You wouldn't be able to do that unless you were inspired. And the way the King James words it, well, then there's no question that this is, that what Luke is saying to Theophilus is this is an inspired account that I'm about to give you. It's better than all the rest. God, if, if, if it were the case that these other people did just as good a job as Luke, God is a parsimonious God. He's not going to do anything that's 
arbitrary, and he's not going to do anything that's superfluous. It's needed. Luke's account was needed. It was inspired. But when I read these modern translations, they take a technical translation of the term, but they don't take into account the context. So you have a wording um, with this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you. And that implies that the, the way you get this account is that Luke decided to start doing research. Well, I could do research, but my writing the gospel account would not be as authoritative as Luke's writing the gospel account because Luke had a perfect understanding from the first. And he was able to write in order. And, and the reason we know that this has to be inspired is because of verse 4. Because it is from Luke's account that you may know the certainty of those things you have been taught. In other words, Luke's is the account that's coming along and straightening everybody out. Luke's account is the account whereby you measure every other account of people writing. And I'm not talking about Matthew and Mark, because we both know that Matthew and Mark was inspired. John wasn't going to be written till decades later, so that's not even in the mix. But the point is, these modern translations, they really deny, uh, or, or at least call into question, the, um, the um, inspiration of the book of Luke. Let me see something here. I'm going to, I'm going to do the New American Standard Bible. Um, this is the 1995. Inasmuch as many have undertaken to complete an account of the things accomplished among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and servants of the word, it seemed fitting for me as well, having investigated everything carefully from the beginning, to write it out for you in consecutive order, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the exact truth about the things you have been taught. That's the New American Standard Bible, 1995. And then the New American Standard Bible, no date. Um, it's the same, having investigated everything carefully from the beginning. Um, what else would I care to look at here? Um, the Revised Standard Version. Yeah, having all, having followed all things closely for some time past. That's that's worse to me than the others. Anyway, that's all the time I'm going to spend on that. Um, the point is, Luke is inspired, and the only way this works is the way the King James translates it. Or, um, in fact, it's not just the King James. The New King James does this correctly. And I've got my eSword open up. Let's see if, uh, well, the English Standard Version doesn't. I read it earlier. American Standard Version, the SV 1901. Yeah, even, even the American Standard Bible uh, bothers me here a little bit. It seemed good to me also, having traced the course of all things accurately from the first. Again, that implies that he's gone and done research. I just don't like the, like, there, there's, it doesn't fit the context. 
Um, anyway, good stuff. Let me uh, let me see our comments here. Uh, the heart reasons, Mark two eight, and immediately when Jesus perceived that in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, Why reason ye these things in your hearts? Um, good evening, Elaine McClung, and John fourteen twenty six. Absolutely, Scott, the Comforter is going to guide the apostles into all truth. Um. Elaine, that's amazing. Um, Elaine said, I had this discussion with some telling them his word is inspired. They kept focusing on his investigation. Yeah. Um, And Connie, so does the 1901 American Standard um, is good. I've read the 1901 American Standard. I wasn't impressed with it. Um, Let me, I'll break out my e-sword here and read it again just to make sure I'm not missing anything. Um, ASV 1901, it seemed good to me also, having traced the course of all things accurately from the first. Um, I mean, that still implies research to me and not inspiration. In other words, the information that he sets in order, how did he receive that information? Well, he went out and he traced it. But the King James renders that having had a perfect understanding, which I think is the better translation. That's it. Luke is a uh, Luke is the inspired source this uh, of this confirmation. Absolutely. And um, oh, let me get that comment off there. And I kept stressing inspiration. If we don't stress his inspiration here, then what about Acts, Elaine? That's a very good question. And that's why it's important to get something like this straight. I mean, you know, we, we spent 20 minutes on this, and I didn't spend near that much time in the pulpit, but I did, I did show the modern translations, and I showed what the King James and the New King James said. And I'm, I mean, I'm, 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 happy to, uh, I'm happy to do that, and I'm glad we went through it, we went over it so much here. So now that we've got that out of the way, Let's talk about some principles that we can apply to our everyday walks of life. Well, what's one thing I notice? Well, check this out. For as much as many have taken in hand to set forth in order a declaration of those things which are most surely believed among us. Folks, there is a lot of religious confusion in the world. Think about it. All kinds of religious confusion. There are so many that have taken in hand to set forth in order a declaration of those things that are believed among us. And they're getting it wrong. It is just like Luke, who had the inspired word, it is our responsibility who have the inspired word of God to come along and set the record straight. Now, are we inspired? Well, God forbid, we are not. There's nobody listening to this that's ever even heard an inspired man. But what about all Scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine and correction and instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works or to every good work? Well, if I'm speaking Scripture, 
then I'm speaking with the authority of these men who wrote the Bible if I'm speaking as Peter writes, as the oracle of God. I speak where the Bible speaks. I'm silent where the Bible's silent. I do Bible things in Bible ways, and I call Bible things by Bible names. Also, study to show yourselves approved unto God. The American Standard 1901 says, give diligence to show yourselves approved unto God. A workman that it needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing, cutting a straight line with the truth, handling aright the word of truth, the word of God. It's our job as people who are Christians who have this gospel light to punch holes in the darkness. I think about a story that was told around, well, I didn't witness this, I, I, w- I was privy to a retelling of a retelling of a retelling. And basically, um, this grandpa was talking about when he was a child walking with his father, and the lamp lighter would go down the street lighting the lamps. And he thought about that as punching holes in the darkness. He would punch a hole in the dark and let a little bit of light shine through. That's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to take that sword, that that word of God, which is the sword of the Spirit, and use the point and poke a hole in the darkness and let the light of Jesus shine through. You see, we once were darkness, but now are we light. Let us walk, therefore, as children of light. We're going to to spread light, the light of Jesus, everywhere we go. It ought to be that the people in the Church of Christ are the ones that everybody goes to if they got a Bible question. You know, it used to be that way. Well, Luke here is inspired, and he could tell that there's a lot of religious confusion out there, so he decided to set the record straight. So that tells me that we need to follow in the footsteps of Luke and take it upon ourselves to set the record straight. And then the next thought that came to mind is, that there is a record to set straight. The truth is not relative. It's not that all of us are taking different paths to heaven. All, everybody's got one destination, and we're just taking different paths to get there. That's not how it works. You know what Jesus said before he was crucified. Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions, and if it were not so, I would have told you. And I go and prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will receive you unto myself, that where I am you may be also, and whither I go you know in the way you know. Thomas said, Lord, we know not whether thou goest, and how can we know the way? Then here it is. Well, just work out your own salvation and just try to get to heaven any way you can. We're all just God's children trying to do the best we can, getting to heaven any way we can. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. We got to walk the footsteps of Jesus. We got to follow his example. We got to follow his commandments, his precepts, and his divine example from 
his revealed word. I don't take any pleasure in saying this. None whatsoever. Because there are folks out there that have fallen sway to this religious confusion who love me way more than I deserve and whom I love dearly. And they are outside of the sphere of the saved. You see, Paul wrote Colossians chapter 1, verse 13, having been delivered out of the power of darkness and translated into the kingdom of God's dear son. Well, what happened? Talk about Luke's inspired writings. Go to Acts chapter 2. 3,000 obeyed the gospel, and they were delivered out of the power of darkness, and they had to be put somewhere. Well, they were added to the church. Folks, there's only one church. There's only one gospel. There's only one Jesus. And evidently, there are instructions. Look at verse 4 of our text. How do you know that the instructions you are following are safe? You need to go to the Bible and make sure the instructions that you're being told by man line up with the instructions that are written in the Bible. And if there's any one iota of difference, then you don't follow the instructions of the man. Man says, hey, accept Jesus into your heart and make him Lord of your life. And then the next time you get a chance on a baptismal Sunday, we'll baptize you to fulfill the commandments. Well, many have taken in hand to set forth in order to declare of those things which are most surely believed among us. Well, that's, that's, that's that's one thing that some people say is most assuredly believed among us. But what do we in the Church of Christ do? We come along with this book right here and say, well, I've had a chance to study this book. (coughs) I've had a chance to study this book, and I know that I can set the record straight. You see, in the Great Commission before the day of Pentecost, Jesus told his apostles, Go into all the world and preach a gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. Well, the first Pentecost after the resurrection, there were a group of people that heard the preaching of the gospel. And they, they, they believed it. And then they said, men and brethren, what shall we do? will repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. All right. There you go. There's a fulfillment of that scripture. Incidentally, these signs shall follow them that believe. Those signs did follow them that believe at the hearing of an apostle because the apostle was there to lay hands on them so they'd receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Mark 16 and Acts chapter 2, those are parallel passages. That Mark 16 and Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 2 is a fulfillment of Mark 16. I don't don't see why people get so bent out of shape about that. Well, what about Paul's conversion in Acts, recorded his own testimony in Acts chapter 22? Arise and, what are you waiting on? Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. 
That that's that's the that's setting the record straight. There's no sinner's prayer there. But yet it's very offensive in some circles to be like, hey, I know that you believe sincerely that you are right with God, but what you have been taught is damaging you. We're going to study the Bible and we're going to go to the Bible so you can know the harmless nature of those things which you have been instructed. And we're going to go to the Bible to straighten it out. (laughs) You know, a lot of my brethren, and me too sometimes, love commentaries. Do you know, if you ever get confused reading a commentary, you know what sheds a whole lot of light on those commentaries? The Bible. I'm dead serious. If you ever get confused about a commentary, go read the Bible. It'll help you out a lot. The point is this, brethren, and and there's so much in these four verses that I could talk about. That's it. One can be sincerely wrong. And truth is truth. It hasn't changed. That's right. And incidentally, we'll throw another one in there. You know what's good for the goose is good for the gander? I'm, I'm this, this has got nothing to do with our lesson tonight. I'm just going to give you a, maybe a ha-ha moment. When I re- Sometimes I hear something that I've never thought of before that is so profoundly simple that in my mind I just go, well, duh, you idiot. You haven't never come to that conclusion? Of course that's true. I was listening to a sermon. Uh, it was in a Mighty Men Retreat or something like that. I can't remember exactly. But the speaker was like, you know, we have all of this scripture that's written to men, that, 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 that applies to men. Do you know why that is? Well, I reached for an answer, and I delved into the depths of a black nothingness. It wasn't there. And he said, because the writers of the Bible wrote to men. I'm like, well, duh. That makes a whole lot of sense. Now, does that believe, or does that mean that the Bible doesn't apply to women? Take, for instance, marriage, divorce, and remarriage. Whosoever shall put away his wife and marrieth another, except it be for fornication, committeth adultery, and whoso marrieth her that hath been put away doth also commit adultery. Does that mean that a woman can put away her husband for any cause and, and remarry and, and not be committing adultery? No, it's just, this is from, it's, it's men talking to men usually, therefore they're writing from a male perspective, and there's nothing wrong with that. Even in, even in 1 Corinthians where it says, quit you like men, be faithful. Look at what those masculine traits are of steadfastness and bravery, and that applies to women as well. You know, I, I act like grown adults. Be steadfast, be brave, be unmovable. Remain firm in the faith. Anyway, all of that, getting back to the ver- to the four verses here. For as much as many have taken in hand to set forth in order a declaration of those things which are most surely believed among us, brethren, there are many today who try to set forth things that are most surely believed among us, 
who were just flat out wrong. Even as they delivered them unto us, which from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word. They're trying to convince those of us who know better. So we don't need to let them and we don't need to fall sway to their um, convincing arguments. Verse 3, it seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write unto thee in order, most excellent Theophilus. It's up to us to preach the word, to be instant in season and out of season, to reprove, rebuke, and exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Why? Because the time will, yea, it has come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but will, after their own lust, heap into themselves teachers having itching ears. Luke felt that it was incumbent upon him to set the record straight. You and I need to feel that same way. And what is our motivation? Oh, I love it. It's right here. That thou mightest know the certainty of those things wherein thou hast been instructed We need to educate every person we come in contact with so they can know the certainty of those things that they've been instructed, and we need to help them find the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All authority has been given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even at the end of the age. Folks, I hope I've said something tonight that's wrinkled your brain a little bit. Hope I've entertained you some. But most of all, I hope I've encouraged you to remain faithful and to do the work of an evangelist in this old dark world. I want you to go around with the sword of the Spirit and poke holes in the darkness and let the light of Jesus shine through. You see, we have this truth. It's been given unto us. It's been revealed. Let's not make that effort wasted. I'm so thankful for every one of you who tuned in tonight. I'm so thankful for the platform here. I'm so thankful that God has blessed me with the ability to uh, do these things. I hope this message has been encouraging to you. I hope the podcast has been encouraging to you. Be sure and subscribe to uh, Cogitations Podcast, uh, Apple Podbean, Apple Apple Podcast, Podbean, Spotify, and TuneIn Radio. And uh, yeah, that's that's what I've got here. Oh, Kate, Katie, I always learn something. Thank you, and it took me way longer than it should have to really understand what afternoon means. Gotcha. I think, Katie, that may be a that may be an inside joke I'm missing. <laughs> anyway, God bless y'all. I love every one of you. Y'all treat me way better than I deserve, and uh, yeah. Thank, thank you so much. Thank you, Scott Wall. Lane McCl- I, I'm going to stop because I'm going to miss names. You digital Bible study crowd are the best in the business. Y'all the cream of the crop. 
stay that way. God bless you. This has been Tony Brewer with Cogitations. Be the algorithm for us. Share, share, share. And uh, yeah, we'll catch you on the flip side.